The Dodgers and Rays look to be on the verge of a deal that would send Tyler Glasnow to L.A. and young, controllable starting pitching to Tampa Bay. Could that mess things up for the Mariners' pursuit of Randy Arozarena or Isak Paredes? We'll discuss that and more coming up here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. This is Tiding Gonzalez and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. So on the show today, we'll discuss the rumored Tyler Glasnow trade between the Dodgers and Rays and how that could impact the Mariners. We'll also talk about Jim Bowden projecting both Jorge Soler and Justin Turner to Seattle. And Colby believes that it's time to turn the page on offseason discourse. He'll tell you more about that a little later on. But uh, let's start with the biggest rumor going around in baseball right now, Jack Azale Heron of MLB Nerds and Bruce Kuntz of Dodger Digest have reported that the Rays and Dodgers are in deep talks on a trade that would send starting pitcher Tyler Glasnow and outfielder Manuel Margot to LA for pitcher Ryan Pepio and outfielder Johnny DeLuca. And I would assume there's probably more involved in that deal as well. Uh, the discussions between the two teams have now been confirmed by Ken Rosenthal, and this report is also, funny enough, compounded with Randy Rosarena, who's obviously been a big target for the Mariners this offseason, posting a picture of him and Shohei Otani on Instagram last night, which obviously got the Twitter detectives going. But uh, Rosenthal says, Rosarena is not in this Dodgers Rays deal. So I guess Randy was just trolling. I don't know. Uh, but this deal, uh, nevertheless, could still have uh, an impact on the Mariners, particularly if the Rays are getting back young, controllable starting pitching. So, Colby, uh, do you think this could be a problem for the Mariners and potentially hinder their ability to trade either Bryce Miller or Brian Wu to Tampa Bay for a Rosarena or someone like? Isak Paredes? No. Next segment. This episode of the Lockdown Mares podcast is brought to you by Fandle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there there seems to be a, uh, a thought, a belief um, out there that um, the Rays are only interested in trading Randy Rosarena to uh, get rid of his $9 million salary. That's simply not true. Uh, the thing that you have to understand about the Rays is that they operate differently than most of the teams in baseball, if not all of the teams in baseball. While the Rays don't spend a ton, they certainly uh, they certainly are willing to spend uh, money. Like in terms, of, they're willing to pay really good players to to play for them. They are. Uh, they Zach Eflin, for example, Wander Franco, they gave a huge extension to before, but uh, the Rays aren't afraid to spend money. They're not afraid to carry a salary on their roster. What the Rays are trying to do here uh, is they are trying to maximize the return for Randy Rosarena. And the way that the Rays operate is typically 
Obviously, there are times where payroll gets a little bit ahead of where they're comfortable, and then they'll trade a Tyler Glass now, and they'll attach Manuel Margot to it and possibly get less for Glass now as a result. But that doesn't mean that the Rays aren't also willing to trade Randy or Rosarena because the way that the Rays operate, it's all about maximizing the return for the player. It's, it's a timing game, right? We want to get out from under this player before he starts making significant money while also making sure we can still replace him with internal options or cheaper free agents. And this is where Randy Rosarena falls, right? Like he's making $9 million. Do the Rays need to clear that $9 million? No, they don't. Even Especially if they not kept, after trading Glass Allen and Margot. Right, but even if even if they kept those two guys, do they have to get rid of Rosarena's $9 million? No, absolutely they don't. What the Rays are trying to do here is that they're looking at Randy Rosarena and they're saying, look, this guy is probably going to make 12 to 15 million next year probably 20 million after that. Do we think he's signing an extension with us? No, he's also 28, 29 years old. He's a little bit older than most players who are entering R1 for, you know, arbitration for the first time. Does he fit into our long-term plans? No. Do we think we can replace his, his value on this team with what we have on hand? Yes, they do. So this is a good time to trade a Rosarena because you're going to get more for him now than you will at the deadline than you will next winter. This is the best time. Next winter, he gets a little bit more expensive. A few more less teams are interested. So this is a good time to trade Randy or Rosarena if you think you can replace his production. And the Rays mm-hmm. certainly do feel like they can replace his right. production. So it's not about the money when they're trading Randy or Rosarena. They might keep Randy. Mm-hmm. Nobody said they're definitely trading him. They're shopping him. They might trade him. They might not. But they're not going to force a trade just to get the $9 million off the books. They're looking for value. They want to extend their window. The Rays are the epitome of keep the window open for as long as you can, get as many bites at the apple as you can. This is why they're constantly draft developed. This is why they constantly trade players maybe a year or two earlier than they should or than most people would in order to extract a few more prospects here and there, a few more talented players so they can develop those players and have the next wave, right? It's all about having that next wave coming up. Uh, because the Rays know that they're never going to be the team that's going to go up to $180, $200 million in payroll. So you have to have that next young, controllable wave coming, and you kind of do it in bits. So instead of like the Oakland like the Oakland A's model is we're going to tear everything down for four or five years, and we're going to build for this next four or five-year stretch, and then we're going to tear it down again and start over. That's not what the Rays do. They're not rebuilding. They're constantly recycling. They're constantly reloading with young talent. So it's a different model. It's it's not a, a churn and burn model. It's it's more of a it's more of an arbitrage model, right? You're trying to sell high while buying low and keeping this revenue stream, in this case the revenue stream being talented players, right. flowing consistently. That's why the idea that the, the Rays now they don't need to trade Randy or Rosarena because they're getting rid of this salary. They never needed to trade Randy or Rosarena. That's why if they do trade him, it's going to cost you something pretty right. good. But right. side note, I don't think you have to give up Miller or Wu to get a Rosarena. Okay. I think that's the easiest way, but I don't think you so, have to. So let's talk more about that, right? So like if they do get Pepio, let's say that the steal does get completed, they do get Pepio. That now gives them a rotation of Eflin, Savale, Pepio, uh Little and either Taj Bradley, I don't know if Shane Baz is going to be back in time for the start of the season. Uh, but they'll also have Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs uh, expected to come back Maybe. somewhere in the middle of the season. 
Um, also, Mason Montgomery seems to be on the doorstep of making his major league debut. Uh, so is do you still think that Bryce Miller or Brian Wu is, I mean, obviously young controllable starting pitching is always valuable, always mm-hmm. attractive, but do you think that's particularly what they would want? Or if they do get Pepio, would their essentially their ask in a in a Rosarena deal or a Paredes deal change or their wants change potentially? And what, what could that look like from the Mariners' point of view? I don't think it's going to change much because like you just read off they have you know three solid starters and then they have a bunch of young guys right some guys with less of a track record than even bryce miller and they're kind of sitting there hoping that they get jeffrey springs back they're hoping they get drew rasmussen back they're hoping that shane baz can do anything they're hoping upon upon hope upon hope they still need pitching every team needs pitching but the race still needs starting pitching so i don't know if they would necessarily uh just say no thanks we have pepio we're fine uh, now we'll have to see what else is in this deal if it ever comes to fruition. Um, but maybe that's where Rosarena comes in. Maybe there's another pitcher that the the Rays want, and they're dangling Rosarena to get him. We don't know. But as of right now, Rosarena is not in that deal. So let's just roll with that. I think they'd still be interested in Miller. I think they'd still be interested in Wu. But I think if they decide, hey, we don't necessarily need pitching now, or we don't necessarily prioritize Miller. We just want the best package we can get. I think Seattle can afford to put together a good package for Randy Rosarena. And now it, it probably has to include one of Harry Ford, Colt Emerson, or, or a Cole young. So it probably also includes somebody like Ty Pete. And then it probably also includes somebody like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jeter Martinez, someone in that range. It might be Laz Montez, which I know is you can't trade Laz Montez. He might be Jordan Alvarez and, you know, Earth that's 7, right. 8, 2, 1, at 6, 5, 8. Yeah, because that's, that's totally right. a reasonable thing to expect from somebody. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think you have to trade. The Lazaro verse. Sure. I don't think you have to trade Miller. You don't have to trade Wu to get Randy Rosarena. It's probably the easiest way to do it, though. It's probably the the path that makes the most sense for both sides. But if you're the Mariners, would you give up more on a prospect end in order to keep your young pitching? Yeah, you yeah. might. You might yeah. be so I, I think Well, that... I've talked I've talked about this in the past that you know maybe they were trying to get a third team involved that has a starting pitcher that the Rays would like that would also take on a more pure prospect package from Seattle. You know, so the the Mariners can keep uh Miller Wu because the thing that we have to keep in mind here with the budget restrictions is that if you trade Miller Wu, are you going to be able to spend enough to get a quality enough starter to replace Miller Wu's spot in the rotation? Maybe it's going to be hard to pull off. So I, I think the Mariners might actually be really trying to angle for a trade here for a bat for a big bat that doesn't cost them Miller and Wu. And that's probably what's causing such a hang up. Cause I think that if it was as simple as just trading Miller or Wu, and it's most likely Miller for that bat that they need, it probably would be done by now. Right. Like, I feel like it would have happened by now. Um, in theory, but in theory, you know, in theory, um, we don't know how like severe the the financial restriction is on on Depoto and, and Hollander. We don't know when exactly that hammer dropped for a second time yeah. this winter. So uh, maybe they had a deal at the finish line, and all of a sudden, like, oh well, now we got to go back to the drawing board because we can't afford to do this like we thought we could. So uh, yeah, I I it'll be interesting to see, but just big picture, no, I don't think the the Rays trading glass now to to the dodgers 
eliminates the fit between Seattle and and uh, between Seattle and Tampa, it might actually help the fit because if they don't right. need Bryce Miller to be in the package, you're probably better off trading prospects, even if it is going to hurt. Up next, Colby is going to tell you why we need to turn the page on the off-season discourse surrounding the Mariners. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. And the Mariners might not be playing right now, but the Kraken and Seahawks are. So whether the action is on turf or on the ice, whether it's Jared McCann or Geno Smith, you can bet on it all with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So question of the day for you folks, out of all the free agents that are remaining on the market right now, who is your preferred option for the Mariners? I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of Blake Snell's, but I'm interested to see who outside of Blake Snell, uh, you guys would say, who who you guys have your eye on for the Mariners. I'm sure there's also going to be a lot of comments that are like, no one, because they're not going to sign anyone because they're cheap and they're, they're not going to do anything because they're the Mariners, which uh, perfectly leads into our next discussion here, Colby. You believe that it is time for us to, uh, to switch up the discourse surrounding this team of uh, this offseason and that there needs to be a change in, in what the dialogue is surrounding this team right now. Um, obviously, you know, payroll and the cheapness of John Stanton and Chris Larson and Mariners ownership has dominated the conversation. It's unavoidably the biggest topic around the Mariners right now, deservedly so. But yeah, floor is yours. Now, folks, I, I've told Colby that, uh, you know, or I asked Colby when he said that he wanted to talk about this to try and not do it as condescendingly as possible. And he said no. And I said, I mean, I figured. So we'll see how you guys can interpret it however you want. But I yeah. would just say this. It's time to get off the freaking mat. Okay. We get it. John Stanton screwed us. He screwed the front office. He screwed the clubhouse. He screwed, screwed Scott service. He screwed the fans. We get it. Nobody disagrees with you. But when I see Mariner fans essentially farming for pity from other fan bases and like, oh, look how sad and pathetic we are. Oh, look at how, you know, this is. This is so unfair. Yeah, it is. And we agree with you. And every time we talk about payroll, we bash John Stanton. We have incentive to talk about payroll because every time we do, we get a ton of viewers, a ton of listeners. It's an easy thing to do. It's incredibly boring. We get it. Okay. You got punched in the gut. We all did. We should all be mad. I am mad. John Stanton screwed us. It is time to get off the mat. 
and start a discussion that is reasonable, to start a discussion that is feasible, to have these discussions that are interesting and that are unique and are different, not the same old, oh, feel sorry for us. We're Mariner fans. We got screwed. Oh, look, Jeff Passon feels sorry for us. How sad is that? Oh, look, John Heyman thinks Mariner's ownership is bad. Like, we get it. We all agree. We understand. It is time to move forward. I'm not telling you to forgive John Stanton. I'm not telling you to forget about what Stanton did. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm not telling you to go to games. I don't care if you do or don't. I really don't. But the discourse needs to change. It is time to get off the freaking mat and get back to speculating about what is still, believe it or not, a pretty darn good baseball team. Do they need? Do they have work to do? Yes. Do they need to go out and do they need to add significant players? Yes. This is a team that still has Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Julio Rodriguez, J.P. Crawford, Cal Raleigh, all in their prime. All in their prime. And you by just listening to the discourse, you would assume that the Mariners have hit a giant reset button and it's back to the rebuild and all that stuff. That is not the case. That is not what's happening here. I understand that you guys are upset. I'm upset with you. Again, I'll say it again and again and again. Stanton screwed us. He screwed you. He screwed Jerry. He screwed Justin. He screwed everybody who works in that organization. We get it. It is time to move forward. Don't forgive. Don't forget. And of course, mm. payroll is always going to pay is always going to play a part in our discussions here because we have to be realistic with the information that we have. So, of course, naturally, payroll is going to come up, but it mm. shouldn't be the driving force. Stop, stop, stop tweeting at the Twitter admin who's just wishing Luis Castillo a happy birthday and yelling at them. They are not your punching bag. We are not your punching bag. Ben Ranieri is not your punching bag. Ryan Divish is not your punching bag. Stop again. Feel anger. Don't care. Don't show mm -hmm. up to games. Don't care. Boycott the team. Do, Don't care. Yeah, do, yeah, do whatever you feel you need to do to hold John Stanton and, and company accountable. Totally. We're not going to say Absolutely. otherwise. Yeah. But stop treating me, stop treating Ty, stop treating Divish, stop treating Churchill, stop treating anybody who has anything positive to say about the Seattle Mariners like they are your enemy because they don't want to be dragged down into the muck with you. It's time right. to get off the mat and elevate your game. We get right. it. We understand it. We talked about it. We were mad with you guys. We bashed Stanton with you guys. We were right there with you and we still are. But it is time yeah to change the tone. It is time to flip the page. It is time to get off the mat and move forward. Yeah. yeah, obviously this is the biggest talking point around this team and is going to be the biggest talking point around this team for the entire offseason until they prove that they're actually going to spend, whether that's via big free agent signing or a big trade that has you know money attached to it or, or what have you, right? And even at that point, that's still not going to appease everyone depending on what it looks like. But there are other topics surrounding this team right now there are very important items for us to discuss around this team right now like what are the mariners actually going to do with that money that they freed up by trading the contracts of evan white and marco gonzalez and trading the contract of eugenio suarez 
you know, and obviously there's a lot of confusion right now and a lot of conflicting reports out there about how much money they actually have to spend. Ryan Divish is saying on Ben Ranieri's podcast that it's only 20 to $25 million. I was told last Friday it's more like 30 to $35 million. No one has any clue right now, and that's also what makes covering this offseason all the more annoying because we really don't have a general baseline to, to work off of. But there are definitely other objectives here uh, that we can spend time talking about. It would be nice to, you know, I get why everyone is so hyper-focused on all this, but it would be nice to just discourse about, you know, actual baseball for a couple of days. My thing really is just like, again, we're we're just as pissed off as you guys are about this but it would be like don't you guys get tired of having the same conversation over and over again i know it's hard for for you guys to to uh believe this i know there's a lot of skepticism and that's earned skepticism don't get me wrong that the mayors are actually going to do stuff this offseason that they're actually going to put that money that they saved back into the ball club i totally understand that i'm not going to fault anyone for feeling that way because again this has been earned. That skepticism has been earned by the actions of this ball club, by John Stanton and Chris Larson and, and the rest of that ownership group. But I do believe in my heart that they are going to do something this offseason, especially when we hear that they are interested in guys like Jorge Soler. And when I have been told in the past, and other people have talked about this, that they were, maybe still are, who knows, interested in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Like They know what that's going to take. If they are involved in those players market, they know what kind of money that's going to require. So that to me indicates that they are willing to spend. I mean, like that doesn't really matter if they don't actually spend the money, right? Like Mm -hmm. we'll have to see it. That has like what ultimately matters here is if they actually do it. It's all fine and dandy if they, you know, tried, but like we don't care about we tried. You don't get trophies for trying. You have to execute. You have to get these deals done and so that's ultimately on the mariners and on the mariners front office right now but there's still a lot of time in this off season right now and i know we're all very impatient right now especially after the way that last off season went and how much we you know waited for that one final big move and it never ever came but i'm willing to hold out hope here for what the mariners could potentially do between now and pitchers and catchers reporting, I think this team will look significantly different than it does right now by the time that pitchers and catchers report. And we're back to five shows a week here on Locked On. Uh, but yeah, right now, I, I mean, the only thing that can really change the narrative right now is is action from Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander. But there definitely are other things that we could be talking about right now outside of the ownership talk and the TV deal talk and all that stuff that really baseball fans at the end of the day and Mariners fans should ultimately not have to care about. Unfortunately, John Stanton, Chris Larson, and the Mariners ownership have forced us to have to care about that stuff, which sucks, which really, really, really sucks. But there definitely are some other things that we could be talking about right now that are very important to the ball club that I think could actually lead to something tangible, right? Like a big trade, like a big free agent signing like Jorge Soler or someone like that. I, I see people on Twitter being hopeful about you know where this team could end up by the end of the offseason. And I see a bunch of replies that are like, well, found John Stanton's burner. Like, yeah, that's not cool. All right. Like, it's totally fine to be skeptical and and wanting to hold the organization accountable and all that stuff. But someone saying like, hey, the Mariners might actually trade for Randy or Rosarena and saying that that's just John Stanton's burner or something like that. That's not cool, man. That's that's pretty lame, in my opinion. At the end of the day, it's baseball. 
which A, isn't that huge of a thing in the grand scheme of things, but B, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Let people have fun. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong Hoping with a Twitter app. And I know, you know, it's the hope that kills you, right? <laughs> I get it. But still. Which Ted Lasso like, disproved. It's fine to to want more for this team and to hope for more from this team and to think that it that it could possibly get better, that things could possibly get better. And that doesn't mean that you're a bootlicker. That doesn't mean that you're being complicit. That doesn't mean any of that stuff. That just means that you're a fan who wants your favorite baseball team to get better and thinks that that could happen and wants to believe. I mean, that's what sports are at the end of the day is belief. Like the love of your sports team is built on belief. So it's okay to still believe even when things look as bleak as they do right now. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise, frankly. It's not the hope that kills you. It's the lack of hope that comes out and gets you. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Coach Lasso. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Uh, So lastly, before we get out of here, and, uh, you know, I want to thank everyone that uh, reached out on Twitter last night. Um, You know, my family and I are going through a little bit of a difficult time right now. So I just uh, wanted to thank everyone for the uh, for the kind wishes uh, on Twitter last night. Uh, And it's been good to uh, just kind of hop on here, talk some ball. So Jim Bowden put out an article where he ranked the uh, the top 20-ish remaining free agents and projected where those free agents are going to go and even had some uh, contract projections on those guys. And he has uh, the Mariners signing two of the top 16 free agents with uh, Justin Turner and Jorge Soler. He has the Turner deal at one year, $14 million, and the Soler deal at, I believe, two years, $32 million. Um, my initial reaction to that is Turner makes a lot of sense for the Mariners. Soler makes a lot of sense for the Mariners independently. But both together don't make a ton of sense unless you're planning on trading Ty France. Uh, so what's, what's your reaction to, to Bowden's projection and, and just the idea of Turner and, and Soler, Colby? I think uh, I think that you have one shot at free agency, um, one legitimate shot at free agency. Uh, doesn't mean you can't go out and get like one, you know, Solaire and then one three million dollar reliever or something like that. But I think you got one shot, uh, one big shot at free agency. Uh, Turner and Solaire, I think they're both fine. I would prefer Solaire. Turner, thirty nine years old. Uh, that's that's a little scary. Um, he also hasn't played a ton of third base. So if, if that's the idea that, you know, oh, well, he's the third baseman. No, like he could do it once in a while, but I think he's played like 80 games the last two years combined at third base. He's hmm. first base DH and occasionally third base. So um, if I'm going to get a guy who's mostly a DH, I'm probably going to prefer Rory Solaire. Uh, I don't think you can get both of them, though. I, I don't think you're going to have that in the budget. Uh, even if you trade Ty France, it's still going to be tough because I think both of these guys are going to get between 15 to $18 million a year. And so hypothetically, if you, if you, if that's just it, you get, you can get Turner for 15 and, and Solaire for 18, you know, that's $30 million depending on how you uh, front load or back load a deal or deferrals and all that stuff. So how do you squeeze that in? Even if you trade Ty France, are you going to get something for Ty France? Probably not. And then who plays first base? Turner's your full-time first baseman? I guess that's possible, but 
I honestly, I'd rather pay Ty France seven million dollars to see if he can get back to you know his old self than pay Justin Turner, who's thirty nine years old, pay him fifteen million dollars and hope that he doesn't you know ride off a cliff. So um, I think both guys independent make some sense. Uh, I think Solaire makes significantly more sense than Turner, but I don't think there's really any scenario that I can see based on what my understanding of where payroll is, where you can get both. And without that being your entire off season. And I just don't right. think it can be. No, it cannot be. Um, now trading Ty France does make some sense. Uh, he's projected by MLB trade rumors to make $7.2 million in arbitration. Uh, though I think that's probably going to come in at a lower number um, when it's all said and done. Uh, but I would still think that it's safe to assume it's probably going to be somewhere in the five and a half to six and a half million dollar range uh, on france so that would clear up a little bit of space though i think if they're going to trade france it's not going to be in a pure salary dump move uh it would be more so for like um like a one for one or some sort of trade for like max kepler in minnesota we know that the twins were interested in france around the deadline for the mariners that would be essentially like a three-ish million dollar net ad but uh, yeah, if it's if it's Solaire and it's Turner, that's probably all you can do. And at that point, you're looking at league minimum dudes for the rest of the way. You're looking to make trades for guys that are making the league minimum, or you know, Isak Paredes is making like three point two million. That's probably the extent of what you can add uh, at that point. So, is that worth it for you? Is that something that you think you can actually maneuver? There's a lot of questions that that come along with that. Um, and obviously there's the the big question of, you know, if you were to acquire someone like Paredes after that, uh, and it's probably going to take you Miller or Wu to acquire that guy, what are you going to do about the pitching? Yep. Yep. So, uh, I would, I'd say this, uh, I would much rather take, uh, Max Kepler and his $10 million that he's owed this year than give Justin Turner 15 to $17 million. Sure. Uh, so I'd ra- I'd rather trade just hypothetically. I'd rather trade Jonathan Classe for Max Kepler than I would si- or I would rather do that than I would sign Justin Turner to whatever it's going to cost to get him to come here. So yeah, I I'll say this about Bowden's projections. I think he's a little too high on the number for Turner, and I think he's a little too low on the on the number for Solaire. I think Solaire is probably going to end up somewhere in the eighteen-ish million dollar a year range uh, instead of sixteen. And then Turner, I I don't foresee Turner, especially given some of the contracts we've seen here. Uh, I don't foresee him getting 14 a year, um, even just for one year. Uh, I, I see him more landing somewhere in the 10 to 12-ish range. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I just don't see why he would make $5 million more than, uh, than Jason Hayward. Yeah. Yep, so, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, but both of those guys totally make sense. I just don't know if both of them at the same time uh, make a whole lot of sense um, unless you trade France and unless you have more money than we think they have, which maybe is the case because, again, no one's concrete on how much money they specifically have right now. Uh, but again, until they do something, we're not going to know. <laughs> we're not going to know how much they have to work with. Uh, so my suggestion to the Seattle Mariners is uh, do something, please. That would be very cool. Please. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Anything else before we get out of here, Colby? Grow up, people. Now. 
I, I, I got to say, I do find it a little funny, though, how the Zips projections came out yesterday and projects yeah, the Mariners to essentially be like a... It, 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 87 win I think team. It, yeah, it projected them to be an 87 win team. And people are like, wow, you know, even with uh, all the holes on the roster, like this is still a pretty good ball club. It's like it took the Zips projections yeah. dropping for it's, you to realize that. Yeah, it took the notoriously reliable projection <laughs> system for people to realize like, oh, hey, the Mariners aren't terrible. Like, no, that's kind of what makes this a little bit more frustrating. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, like I said, it's the Mariners need to make a move <laughs> just for yeah. like our sakes. They need to make any 40 man move. Doesn't yeah. even have to be. I, a big mean, one. I would like a big one, though. I would, I would like oh, I mean, uh, eventually, but like, yeah, right yeah, now, uh, just anything. Can I just get like Randy Rosarena for Christmas? You will Great. get Colin Snyder and you will like it. Right, right, right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. Depending on what's going on with the Mariners, it might be Fan Friction Friday. It might just be a normal show. Who knows? We'll let you guys know. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tiding Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Tiding Gonzalez and Colby at CPAT11. That's CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.